Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Discovery. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn why the butterfly effect makes it impossible to predict the weather, why common language mistakes called eggcorns somehow still make sense, and what to do when you feel like you're going to cry at work. We originally ran these stories on August 8th, 2018, and they're so good we remastered them just for you. And stick around because there's a bunch of new stuff we're going to do at the end of today's episode as well. But right now, prepare to feel immersed in our old studio. You'll know what I mean in a second. And let's satisfy some curiosity. Cody, how about this weather, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I will say I did not check the weather forecast and realize that it was going to be pouring rain this afternoon. Yeah, and we happen to have a drain pipe going right through the room. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a rain stick in here. It's weird. You can just hear everything. Well, if the microphones pick it up, then listeners can just relax. Like it's one of those white noise machines yeah, that play a rainforest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I don't usually check the weather forecast. Do you? I recently got an app that's making me a little bit more into it. It always gives me notifications when it's going to rain, but it's not always super accurate. I feel like meteorologists get a bad rap. Yeah. Well, they have a lot of challenges. If you've ever wondered why it's impossible to predict the weather, then you've come to the right place. A few months ago on our podcast, we talked about the butterfly effect. That's the idea that a butterfly can flap its wings in Brazil and set off a tornado in Texas. The idea is that there are some things that even the most advanced science can never predict. Although scientists are trying to use machine learning to predict chaos. That's a different story, though. So back to the butterfly effect. It came from meteorology professor Edward Lawrence all the way back in the 60s. He was putting data into a computer program designed to simulate weather patterns. He'd already run this simulation, but this time he rounded one of his 12 variables from 0.506127 to 0.506. He went to get some coffee, and when he came back, he noticed that tiny change in data had led to a massive transformation, completely changing two months of simulated weather. This might sound like common knowledge today, but the discovery was huge. Scientists had thought that we could predict pretty much everything in nature as long as we had enough data, as far back as the days of Isaac Newton. This discovery showed that even the tiniest quirk could throw a whole system out of whack. The butterfly effect also gave rise to something called chaos theory, which you might remember from Jeff Goldblum's character in the movie Jurassic Park. It centers on hard-to-predict phenomena like animal populations, stock prices, and even human behavior. Chaos always has its limits, so chaos is not randomness. But when it comes to chaos theory, even our best equations can't always nail 100% accuracy. And that's especially true of the weather. So don't be so hard on your local meteorologists. They're doing the best they can. Ashley, has anybody ever summed up something for you by saying it's for all intensive purposes? I used to say that all the time. That was the way that I said it for like (laughs) many years. I think maybe I didn't notice it was wrong until I saw it in writing. And then I was like, "That that doesn't quite work. Because it's not what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be for all intents and purposes. Right. Like intent. So if you're chomping at the bit to learn more about phrases like this, then we've got some good news for you. You might be saying the wrong words, but people probably still understand what you're saying. And that's because you're using an egg corn. An egg corn is a word or phrase that sounds like and is mistakenly used in a seemingly logical or plausible way for another word or phrase. You could also call it a slip of the ear, but the name comes from, you guessed it, linguists who were talking about a person who called acorns eggcorns. 
The thing is, acorn still kind of makes logical sense, right? Acorns are kind of shaped like eggs, and chickens lay eggs, and trees kind of lay acorns. And that's how the term was born. Again, all intensive purposes should be all intents and purposes. But here are some other common ones. You know how I said chomping at the bit earlier? The phrase is actually champing at the bit. It comes from horse racing, where a bit is part of the thing that goes in the horse's mouth and connects to the bridle and reins. The horse doesn't chomp or bite the bit because the way it fits into its mouth, the horse can only grind teeth, which is what champing means, grinding teeth. You have to have something to bite if you want to chomp, but nobody uses champ, so here we are. Here are a few others. It takes two to tangle, should be it takes two to tango. Neck in neck should be neck and neck. This day in age should be this day and age. Real goal getter should be real go getter. And butt naked should be buck naked. And if you think you've got another thing coming, then well, you've got another think coming. That's the weirdest one to me. Because of the song? I mean, at this point, it is you've got another thing coming. If you said you've got another think coming to me, like, I, I would be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, sorry. Language changes. It's evolving. <laughs> it's an egg corn. <laughs> Cody, have you ever cried at work? I don't think I've cried at work. I've totally cried at work. Really? I actually have cried in this office. Oh, no. Yeah. Not because of the job. I had just gone through a really bad breakup and something new just came up, as these things do, involving the breakup. And I was trying to keep it together. And my boss looks at me and she goes, Ashley, are you OK? And of course, whenever anyone says that to you when you're trying to keep it together, you lose it. Oh, no. And I like burst into tears and it was very embarrassing. And I walked out and just tried to get it together. I got a very distressing text once at work and I just noped right out of there. Oh, I, I just left work. It was like two in the afternoon. I didn't even think I told anybody. In my last job, I was like a consulting firm. I think I literally like I closed my laptop, threw it in my bag and just walked out because I was like, this is not going to happen. Yeah, no, that's good. <laughs> I'm going to have a meltdown. It's not going to be good. I just went home. I think I sent an email later. But yeah, tricky situation. It's tricky. You don't want to cry. It's not professional, you know, to cry at work. Well, if you've ever felt the tears coming at work and you didn't know what to do, science might have an answer. A team of business school professors from INSEAD, Cornell, Harvard, and University of Michigan ran a series of experiments that looked into the effects of reframing emotions at work. They found that if you tell people you're crying out of passion, they'll see you as more competent than if you apologize or ignore the incident. Participants rated the passionate employee as 20% more competent than employees who had an outburst and didn't offer an excuse. The next best option was apologizing. This passion play isn't just for sensitive employees, by the way. Executives use it, too. What kind of executives? Well, how about Elon Musk? Elon! <laughs> he choked up at the start of an annual shareholder meeting when he thanked everyone for supporting Tesla and then added, quote, This is going to sound a little cheesy, but at Tesla, we build our cars with love, unquote. So the next time you get emotional at work, don't ignore or just apologize for it. Say it's because you're feeling really passionate. You might still be embarrassed, but at least your professional reputation won't take too much of a hit. Hey, we're back in 2022, where it's not raining, or is it? Anyway, let's recap what we learned today, starting with the fact that it's impossible to predict the weather thanks to the butterfly effect. Not the movie with Ashton Kutcher, no. 
I mean, the idea that a butterfly can flap its wings somewhere and set off a tornado thousands of miles away. The butterfly effect was discovered by a meteorology professor named Edward Lorenz in the 1960s when he made a small change to some data into a computer program and then went to get some coffee and came back to see a massive change in the simulation. So remember to cut your local meteorologist some slack. Yeah, it's literally chaos theory. It's literally what Jeff Goldblum was doing in Jurassic Park. I mean, it's not really what he did in Jurassic Park because he didn't do any math or anything. He just like looked beautiful and said things. But, you know, it, it is it is what his job was. That's kind of beside the point. Right. Well, no, it's 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 relevant because, right, like theoretically, Dr. Robotnik could also predict the weather. Right. Because if he gets his hands on the chaos emeralds, then, you know, maybe that has something to do with chaos theory is that from is that from sonic yeah (laughs) wow (laughs) i did not know anything about the plot of sonic i just knew you ran and you collected rings and then there was a mustachioed man in a machine at the end of the levels who was played by jim carrey eventually yeah who was originally named dr robotnik that they later renamed dr eggman which i never cared for i prefer the robotnik og because he was kind of egg-shaped, right? He was egg-shaped. He was egg-shaped. But, you know, and I'm not, I wasn't a Genesis guy growing up, but I did have a Game Gear, which was Sega's portable handheld. Right. I remember that. I had a Game Boy, of course, because I was a, you know, I was a kid who was American. That's just what you did. You had a Game Boy. Uh, but I also had the Game Gear and I played Sonic on it. And the Chaos Emeralds, you got to gotta pay close attention to that Sonic lore. It goes deep, Ashley. It goes very deep. Listen. My very first system was a Sega Genesis. That was my first home encounter with video games. And I played so much Sonic, but I never, I never paid attention to the story. See, I played it for the story. Wow. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Good talk. Good, great talk. It was <laughs> tremendous. It was tremendous. And we learned that an egg corn is a language mistake that somehow makes sense. It's defined as a word or phrase that sounds like and is mistakenly used in a seemingly logical or plausible way for another word or phrase. And it's up to you whether you want to correct a person for using them. You probably don't want to. But there is an entire subreddit devoted to these called R Bone Apple Tea, like Bone Appetit. And it's got some really fun egg corns. Like there's this one, it's been recommended to me lately to try in a minute fasting. Intermittent, but they spell it in a minute. There's a scientist that posted a picture of a Petri dish with some barcodes on it because they're studying something in a lab. And the caption is, 48 hours later, you see this on the peach tree dish. Wow. I don't think it's a, maybe they were studying a peach tree, but it should be Petri. Maybe that, I wonder how much of this is just voice recognition. Right? Like you talk into your phone and it writes that. Oh, yeah. There's probably a lot of that from... There was a while when I actually... It was when I started dating more actively, like five, six years ago. I would use a lot more of the voice-to-text software because I thought it was less rude if the person you're with knows what you're doing on your phone. So instead of like, you know, pulling out my phone and you're, you know, like hunched over it, like, oh, what am I saying? What am I saying? Instead, I just, boop, boop. it's like, yeah, okay, I'll be there soon. Send or whatever. And then, you know, they, they know what's going on. Yeah, 
yeah, I get that. That's cool. I think that is polite. Yeah, it was a nice life hack back when I was ever around people. I wait. Okay, this is my favorite one. How does evolution become so specific? Mind bottling. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's a great one, because if you think about it, it's like, yeah, this puts my mind in a bottle. It just it just squeezes my mind into a very tight space. I think it makes sense. I like it. Yeah, it's a fun time. Meanwhile, back here on Curiosity Daily, we also learned that if you find yourself crying at work, then try to reframe your emotions. Your colleagues will see you as more competent if you tell them you're crying out of passion and your next best option is apologizing. The worst option is to ignore it and pretend nothing happened. So maybe don't do that. We loved Elon Musk so much at one point. Just so much. He was the darling of curiosity back in 2017, 2018. I think that's because one of our coworkers just like literally had a crush on him. Could be. And so we all but, we all kind of joined in. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really know much about him till like way later. And then uh, and then I liked him a lot. But we are recording this episode way before it's going to be published. So who knows what antics he could have been up to between now and then. Maybe he solved world hunger. I don't know. Or maybe he made another ridiculous meme currency become worth a lot of money. I don't know. So I'm not going to make any value judgments on this show. Or maybe he said something ridiculous on Twitter. My money's on that. Oh, that's going to happen between now and the time we're done recording. That's yes. that's a good. But see, for me, I'm kind of a chaotic, neutral kind of a guy. So that stuff doesn't really necessarily bother me as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. Sure, sure. And speaking of hurting people, I think, you know, also in terms of crying at work, I think your best option if you're around someone else who is crying is to just be empathetic and ask if they need anything and try not to judge because we've all been there. Man, we've all been through some stuff, especially in the last couple of years, right? Like we're all people. We all have our limits. We all have our issues and, and problems and uh, probably more than ever for a lot of people. So, you know, a little empathy could go a long way. Definitely. Today's writers were Ashley Hamer, Joni Filetto, and Jessica Stillman. Curiosity Daily is distributed by Discovery. Join us again next. I'm to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.